I'm so happy for those of you that came forward and received Jesus Christ. Can we just thank God one more time for them all? So proud of you. We're so proud of you. We're so happy to have you in our family, spiritual family. It, it would not be the same without you. Heaven won't be the same without you. Thank God that we're all going to go. We're all going to be there and we're going to see Jesus just as he is. And we're going to walk with him forever and ever. And it all starts right here on Earth. Eternity doesn't start when you die. Eternity starts when you become a living soul and we're going to live forever. Your physical body will tire out and eventually wear out. But you will continue to live forever and ever. John 316 is the it's the greatest of all the salvation verses, for it makes it so simple and so clear for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who, whoever whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting eternal life for the for God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. Wow. We really need to get a hold of how simple the gospel is and how it takes a self-righteous Christian to really screw it up. But the, the gospel is really simple. It's all of him and none of us. It's by grace. Are you saved through faith and that not of yourself? It's the free gift of God, not a result of works. So no one can boast. Only God deserves the glory. And so I want to continue where we left off last time we were together, because I want to believe with you for um, a miracle to happen in your life, a, a healing of your identity a healing of trauma in your life. We all face it. The biggest problem and the biggest battle that any of us will ever face is the battle for our identity. The devil is working overtime in our culture to get us confused about who we are. And it and I'm, I know I said something to some people that are that it was controversial. Also, I'll say it again because I, I kind of like controversy. It's, gets people thinking, it gets shakes up our mindset sometimes that, that we're stuck. No matter where there's two genders in the, in the world, there's two genders that God created. Now, now people can create other genders if they want to, but God only created two. He created male and female, but he created them as one. When God created man, man was male and female. He was created in the image of God. And so it's never been in God's eyes. Uh, men are superior to women. It's never been that way to God. God's always seen men and women as equal because male and female came from one creation of man that God created in his image. Both male and female are God's image. They're a part of God's image. Now, in our world, we're seeing this massive um, shift, this massive um, 
coordination of creating all these new identities and new genders. But and there is a spectrum. There's there's male and female. But then sometimes there are some who possess some female characteristics, though they're male or some male characteristics, though they're female, but they're still male or female. And we have to have empathy for people that are struggling to discover and figure out where they are on that spectrum. It's a journey. It's a lot of confusion. It's a lot of bad parenting in the world. There's a lot of bad parenting. There's a lot of letting the government become the parents is not a good idea. We don't need another daddy. We got our father in heaven. So the devil is trying to confuse us. It's like he's shuffling these shells, trying to get us confused, trying to get our eyes off of the real and try to get us distracted from the real crisis in our world is not knowing who we are in Christ. The real crisis is not where we fall on the gender spectrum. The real crisis is either we understand our identity as a son or daughter of God or we don't understand our identity as a son or daughter of God. Anybody with me still? All that truly mattered. I've had people ask me. I've had transgenders. I've had homosexuals. I've had all manner of people that have asked me. How do I know? What do I do? I feel confused. I said, you know what? Your focus should be on knowing your true identity as a child of God. That is where the battle is. You know what? If you're confused for the next 30 or 40 years about your gender spectrum place, you got some some IQ deficiencies in your gender. Not, and your awareness of your gender, no problem. Struggle with that or or embrace something that you that you think you are as 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 long as you want to. But realize this, the real the real identity that everybody needs to wake up to is their identity as a son or daughter of God, as a child of God, because once you have that, your struggle ends. Everything else will unfold everything else. And listen, we all have somebody and know somebody that's dealing with that struggle or that's being created in our public school systems. And it's being it's, it's being pushed through through government. Not here to be, I'm really not here to talk politics. And I hope you can appreciate what where I'm coming from here, because that all of that is a distraction from the real issue. And the real issue is Satan doesn't want you to know how powerful you are as a child of God, as a son or daughter of God. He wants you to stay ignorant of your identity in Christ, because Ephesians chapter one, verse 11 says it is only in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. No wonder there's this spectrum. No wonder there's so much confusion because he says you'll only know who you are when you know who you are in Christ. And he said, you're only going to find out what you're living for when you know who you are in Christ. It is only in him that we find out who we are, and what we're living for. 
No wonder the confusion exists. No wonder there's such a struggle. No wonder there's such a battle. No wonder there's such a problem. No wonder we're having the problems in our society that we're having. Because if you ever want to truly find out who you are and what you're living for, you can't find it outside of Christ. You will never fulfill your destiny until you understand your identity. Your identity, listen, we all have two identities, who we are by God's definition and who we are by human's definition. Anybody with me? And and if I can show you this scripture in Judges, oh boy, if we could only get a hold of this. In Judges chapter 11, let me read something to you. Everybody okay? There's a man mentioned in the Bible for just a couple verses, a couple chapters. It's even mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. This man, Jephthah, in Judges chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty, valiant, warrior. But dang it. But he was the son of a harlot, the son of a harlot. I know some of you guys have G rated minds, so you don't ever use words like that. But a son of a harlot means she was a prostitute. Okay, he's the son of a prostitute. I want you to see this. I really want you to see this because God's version of Jephthah is the first mention. Now, Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty, valiant warrior. One translation says a man of valor. Mm, Come on, Vallejo graduates. Valor, value. He was a valiant warrior. God saw Jephthah as a mighty, valiant warrior. Man saw Jephthah as the son of a prostitute. What matters is who you're going to side with on your identity, who God says you are or who man says you are. Oh, I know that person. Oh, I know that guy. He's, you know, that family. He's oh, that's, you know, they're like this and all the gossip about. Hey, your family's history is not your identity. Your family's history is not your destiny. Your identity is as a son or daughter of God and your destiny will be truly manifested when you choose to side with God's version of you. And God's version of you is as a mighty, valiant man or woman of valor, a man or woman who's a champion. Man, say that I'm a champion. I'm a champion of Christ. I'm a champion in Christ. Way to go, champions. More of you need to get thinking like a champion every podcast, every week. We think like champions. Amen. I love this verse. 
Which version of you? Which version are you going to side with? Which version are you going to choose? What God says about you or what your history says about you? I'm choosing what God says about me. Because when you know who you are, several things will happen in your life. When you know who you are, you'll understand your value. You know, the reason why we make such poor decisions in life is because we don't realize how valuable we truly are. We don't understand our true worth. We don't understand our true value. Jesus came looking for you. He came looking for me not to condemn us, but to save us for the son of man. Luke chapter 19, 10 says for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He doesn't come to seek and destroy. He's not on a search and destroy mission. He's on a search and rescue mission. And then he begins to equip you and empower you with the knowledge of who you are. I love what he says in first Peter, chapter two, verse twenty five of the message Bible as well. You were lost sheep with no idea of who you were or where you were going. I was like this. This is who I was. This is who you were. We were all this. We were lost sheep with no idea of who we were and where we're going. But now you're named, you're named and kept for good. By the shepherd of your souls, you're named and kept for good. You know, we use that figure of speech for good to mean a couple different things, right? There's a good plan that God has for you. His plan for you is for good, but also he wants to be with you for good, which is a one of our figures of speech that means forever. He wants to be with you for good. He wants to keep you for good. I'm keeping you for good. I'm keeping you forever. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Devil, you lost. Jesus said, devil, you lost. And I won. And they're mine now. The devil says, no, 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 they're mine. No. And Jesus said, no, look at look at the blood. Look at the scars. They're not yours anymore. I paid in full for their soul. I came looking for them and finding them. And now they're mine. Take your lousy hands. Take your filthy hands off of my sons and daughters. Devil, you have no right. You have no authority. You have no power over them in Jesus name. And you know what? The only power that the devil has over us is when we forget who we are in Christ. He doesn't have real power over us. When you know who you are, you, you get back up when you fall. Proverbs 16, 24 says the righteous fall seven times, but he gets back up. How many times can we fall? How, how many times can we get back up? What? Just one more time than how many times you fall. You always will have one more right to get up. To outweigh the number of times you fall. 
This is Proverbs 24, verse 16. I think that verse is. Now, the reason so many things seem so hard for us as people, because I really want to pray, I want to believe, and this is going to take a few weeks for, this, for me to unravel this. And, and we just go on worshiping and it's just so great. And I don't want to keep you here too late. And we have class after this. And, but I need you to like really come regularly because there's healing that's that's here and there's destiny that's here. And there's there's when we really d develop consistency in our lives, we we see victory in our lives. But the reason so many things seem hard is because we have unresolved trauma. We have unhealed trauma and your true destiny and your awareness of your identity will come to maturity when we heal the trauma in our lives. And the reason so many people are confused about who they are and what they're living for is because trauma has has stunted their emotional development and emotional growth. And post-traumatic stress disorder is a real thing. And it's it, it gets into the cellular structure of your of your humanity and your your physical body. And so it needs to heal. And I want to show you a couple verses about this, because the reason things seem so hard is be, and, and life is so painful to succeed in family or business or in your health or in your finances or whatever is because we haven't done the deep work inside of ourselves of healing ourselves from trauma or receiving God's healing from trauma in our lives. Um, addictions are harder to break when you haven't done the deep work of healing trauma. Relationships fail when you haven't done the deep work of healing the trauma. So all the work we do to fix and clean up our relationships, to clean up our financial mess, all the work we do to clean up our painful existence could be exerted so much more strategically if we focused on healing the soul inside. We wouldn't have to spend so much time defending ourselves and portraying ourselves as something that we're not if we would just do the deep work. We spend so much so much time fixing all the broken things in our lives because we're not exerting all the energy. We use all our energy to fix the broken things in our lives rather than using the energy to fix the broken self inside. Because once you fix the broken self inside, all of the things on the outside of your life start to heal themselves. And if I can explain it to you this way, Jesus says in Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19, he says, the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is upon me. And I want you to see the two things, the first two things that the Holy Spirit has anointed Jesus to do. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So the first thing that Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit to do is to preach the gospel. You say, who's the poor? Everybody's poor without God. He's talking about a spiritual poverty here to preach the gospel to the poor. 
helping the poor financially is also a blessing and we're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. But he's talking about the gospel. The first thing that he comes to do and he's anointed to do is to preach the gospel to the poor so we can be born again and we can receive Jesus into our lives. And guess what? You're never going to be poor another day in your life when you have Jesus. The greatest, truest prosperity and riches are having Jesus in your life. Doesn't matter how much money you have does not define your poverty or your wealth. How much of Jesus you let in is what defines your true prosperity and your true wealth. So number one, to preach the gospel to the poor. And number two, look at what he says. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, you might think I don't have a broken heart. Well, then what did Jesus get anointed by the Holy Spirit to do if there was no broken hearts? Then he wouldn't have been anointed to heal the broken hearts. He's anointed to heal the broken hearts because everybody's got a broken heart. At one time or another in your life, your hearts have been broken. I don't think we need to think about it from the perspective of was your heart broken in seventh grade when you had a crush on that girl? That's not where your heart broke, honey. The word heartbreak here, broken heart. It comes from this word in Greek that literally is translated as traumatized. The broken heartedness that Jesus is referring to in Luke chapter four, verse 19 or verse 18 is the traumatized heart. The traumatized heart is what's broken. And to conquer life, to conquer anything in life, we have to take responsibility for our unresolved trauma and be healed of it. I don't even think I'm going to be able to have time to pray for everybody for this. So maybe next week we'll pray. I'll still pray for I'm not saying better come next week or you're going to miss out. You are going to miss out if you don't come. You are going to miss out on something. You're not going to miss out on heaven. You're not. You understand. Get here. (laughs) We were born to reign in life. We were born to reign. We were born to be. To have dominion. We were born to have dominion. You think, oh, no, no, we're born to we're all born to be passive and pacifiers and pacified, sissified. Listen, you're born to reign. You're born to reign. And through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life. You know why people try to conquer one another? Because they haven't conquered themselves. You know why people always try to fight for position in life is because they haven't conquered self. They haven't defeated their trauma. They haven't let their inner child heal. So they remain a child emotionally. We remain children emotionally when we don't heal our trauma, when we don't let God in to heal it. 
Trauma occurs in our lives as boys and girls. The Latin definition for the word defeat is literally translated as the undoing of the self, the undoing of the self. So when we fall away, we fail in life, failure, defeat. We fail in life when we fall away from our true identity. We fail in life when we pull away from our true identity, when we undo what God made us to be sons and daughters of God. We fail in life when we fall away from our true identity. We fail in life when we start doubting who we are in Christ. This is a diabolical war that has existed from the beginning when the serpent tried to trick Adam and Eve into thinking they were not made in the image of God and the likeness of God. He said, don't eat. He told you not to eat from that tree because he knows the day you eat from it, you'll be like him. But they already were like him. So we must make war with that serpent that is speaking to you continually and you listen and we listen to the voice of the imposter more than we listen to the voice of the father. We listen to the voice of rejection. We listen to the voice of of failure. We listen to the voice of low self-esteem. We listen to these voices that are that same voice, that same voice of the cunning serpent that says you're less than what you think. God says you're more than what you think. God says you're made in his image, in his likeness. The devil says, no, you're a failure, you're a loser, you're ugly, you're 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 less than you're inferior, you're inferior. The inferiority complex comes from a, an, an unclear reality of who you are in Christ. When you understand that, boy, folks, this is the battle when people say, I wish you'd preach more on spiritual warfare. I do every time by telling you who you are. We're this is spiritual warfare. I wish you would just point to the building and cast out the demons. You know, we, we need to cast you out. That's what we not, not the demons aren't in the building. They're in your thinking. They're in twisted thoughts, thoughts about you that are less than who you are in Christ. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror. But why do we say I'm such a I'm such an idiot. I'm so stupid. I'm such a failure. I'm so, I blow it. Oh, what's wrong with me? That mindset, that shame mindset, that guilt based mindset, that shame based mindset is what's keeping you limited. It's what's keeping us down. It's what's keeping us defeated because we are falling away from or we're undoing ourselves. We're we're peeling ourselves away from who God said we are. We're peeling ourselves away from being made in the image of God. We're we're undoing the self. And that's what leads to defeat and failure. Don't, don't get me wrong. You, you, you fail on a test or you fail in something. You get back up. But my point is, it's a mindset of failure and it's an expectation. Oh, have you ever thought, have you ever been like that? Well, things are going really good for me. I, oh, man, I better not jinx this. 
I know some I know there's too many good things happened in my life. I know something bad's going to happen. And we start expecting failure. We started because we're brainwashed by Satan. We're brainwashed by low self-worth, low self-esteem, inferiority complex, rejection mindsets, limited mindsets, limited thinking. We know we don't know who we are in Christ. So we take on what we hope people will want and what we hope people will accept and what we hope people will love us for. And God doesn't want us to take on an identity to get people to love us or like us. He wants us to know who we are in Christ. And then who cares who likes you and who doesn't like you? You're no longer in a popularity contest. You're no longer fighting for your identity. You're no longer trying to be popular, trying to be famous, trying to have more of this and more of that. My God, we are living in a world that is so desperate for more uh, attention and more fame and more popularity. And and we look at the people that are the most popular as if they're the most successful and they're broken inside. They're traumatized inside and they're addicted to the adulation and addicted to the attention and they're addicted. It's like a drug and they need more. They need more to continue to feed them. But I love what Jesus said when he said in John chapter five, and I can't remember this verse, but he said, um, he said, your approval, you can maybe you guys can find it. It's in the message Bible or the, or the New Living Translation. Your approval means nothing to me. Amen. He said to the he said to the people that were around him, your approval means nothing to me. This is who you are in Christ. You are a person like Jesus. We're not Christ, but we're in him. He says, your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. I don't need your approval. I got God's approval. I don't need your adulation. My heavenly father's dancing over me. This is this is the stuff that'll heal you of the trauma. Trauma is simply an emotional response to a to a bad event, to a negative event that's happened in your life. And what we have to do is we've we've made love to our inferiority complex and we need to make war with it. We've made love with complacency. We've made love with excuse making. And we need to make war with it and invite God to heal us. The word of God, when properly used, is where all the healing begins in the traumatized soul or the wounded soul. Too often the Bible is used to divide, to criticize, to condemn, to pronounce us guilty as rule breakers. But the Bible isn't those things. The Bible is a cure. It's a scalpel to delicately open the soul and create a path, a roadmap to your health and your emotional well-being. Most Trauma is from emotional abuse. There's physical assaults, there's sexual assaults, there's sudden death of a loved one or a child or parent, even natural disasters. Witnessing a crime, these are some of the causes of trauma in our lives and we don't realize it's there and it's it's um, it's manifesting through your cells. It's like permeates through your cells, your physical cells. It has physical stress. It has physical effect on you. Most of the of the poor heart conditions in people are accentuated and 
and they're multiplied through stress. Butter isn't killing you. Stress and the, tra the trauma that creates that stress. So how do we make war with this identity thief? OK, we need to acknowledge our pain. Here you go. A few steps and we'll pray. Acknowledge your pain. Identify where trauma has occurred. Hey, church should be a place of healing, shouldn't it? Well, this sounds more like a psychology class there, Pastor. Fine. Take it however you want to take it, but just take it and get healed. Acknowledge your pain. Identify where trauma has occurred in your life. Number one. Number two, invite Jesus to heal your trauma. These are steps you can take whenever you see yourself reacting in a way you wish you wouldn't. You, you got this now to put it to bring it home to what our everyday lives when you react to something in a way that you're not proud of, that's where you got to be healed. Let that let the way you reacted to that situation, let that be the indicator. Let that be the warning light on your dashboard saying, invite Jesus time. It's time to invite Jesus into this area of your life and heal that trauma that causes you to react that way, whether it's anger or you go in isolation or you pull away from others or you blow up or you clam up. These are all reactions to trauma in our soul that Jesus comes to heal the traumatized heart. Invite the healer, invite the healer, boy. If we could just invite the healer in our lives, by the way, uh, I there's this one particular verse that um, I really love in the Bible, but it's so misunderstood. I won't have time to get into all of it, but I do want to mention it because it's in James chapter five, verse 16, and it's and it says, confess your faults to one another. And I think there's another translation that says confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much or avails much. Now that confess your sins to one another. Does that does that literally mean we should come up to each other and say, you know, I was just thinking the other day, really lustful thoughts about you. And I just want to confess. <laughs> Let me explain. Please don't do that, by the way. Let me explain what this word sin or fault is translated as the forfeiture of your inheritance, the forfeiture, the forfeiting your inheritance, living below who God created you to live as a son or daughter of God. The prodigal son forfeited his inheritance by thinking that what he possessed was who he was. He forfeited his inheritance by leaving his closeness with his father. It, he didn't forfeit his inheritance by spending all the money. He forfeited his inheritance by dividing himself from his father and his inheritance was restored the moment he came back to his father. He just wanted to come back as a servant. 
And his father and he's like, father, he prepared his speech, you know, the night before. Oh, I'm going to say, I know what I'll do. I'll say, Father, forgive me. I, I, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. You know, I no longer deserve to be your son. Just make me like one of your servants. And he practiced that. He told us what he was going to say to the father in Luke 15. Then he starts saying it to the father when he comes home and the father runs up to him, comes running, put kissing him and hugging him and embracing him. And what does the what does the son do? The son starts giving his speech. Father, I'm sitting against heaven. Shut. The father interrupts him, interrupts that speech. Sometimes we've practiced our speech and God's like, good, you practice something, but I'm here to interrupt it. I'm here to interrupt your speech. The father said, I'm here to interrupt your speech. You have this mindset. You're arranged. You're creating this arrangement with with between you and me as your father. And you want to be a servant. You want to be a slave. Are you kidding? I'm not I'm not letting that happen. I'm going to interrupt that mindset. I'm going to interrupt your false identity as a servant, uh, your false identity as a slave. And I want you to see yourself as my son again. Bring the best robe and put it on my son. Go get a ring for his finger. Kill the fatted calf. This son of mine was lost. Now he's been found. This son of mine was dead and now he's alive. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate forevermore. This is the relationship with God. This is how your trauma heals. Come to the father. Give yourself back to the father. Rejoice in the father's love. Remember who you are. Accept your place as a son or daughter again. Take your rightful seat with Christ in heavenly places. Take your rightful seat as a king and a priest before God. Take your rightful seat as one who rules and reigns in life. We're not dominated by the devil. We have dominion over the devil. The devil doesn't have dominion over us. The world doesn't have dominion over us. Sin doesn't have dominion over us. Fear doesn't have dominion over us. Death doesn't have dominion over us. We have dominion over that. We have dominion because we are the sons and daughters of God. Come on, let's stand together and let's have a word of prayer. Let's have a word of prayer. I want you to say this out loud. Say in the name of Jesus, I confess that I have fallen away from my inheritance and seeing myself as a son or daughter of God. I invite you, Jesus, to heal where I've been traumatized, to heal where I have forfeited, to heal whatever has hurt me and wounded my heart. You are the healer, Jesus. I invite you to heal my trauma, restore my inheritance, restore my identity as a son or daughter of yours. Clear up the confusion in my life, in the lives, in the lives of my family members, in the lives of my loved ones who are struggling with their identity. Open their eyes, open my eyes to who I am in Christ, for it is only in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. In Jesus name. Amen. Let the healing begin and let it continue next time we are together on Sunday. I love you guys. You're dismissed and enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we got authority. Saints walk in that authority and walk by faith and not by sight. Amen.